Welcome to Gone Fishing, a show diving into cybersecurity threats that surround our highly connected lives. Every human is different. Every person has unique vulnerabilities that expose them to potentially successful social engineering. On this show, we'll discuss human vulnerability and how it relates to unique individuals. I'm Connor Swalm, CEO of FinSecurity, and welcome to Gone Fishing. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Gone Fishing. I'm your host, Connor, the CEO at Fin. I am joined once again by the wonderful Dustin Bolander, a man of many hats and very few talents. Dustin, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on again. Oh, anytime. Uh, if you haven't listened to the last episode, uh, we introduced Dustin, talked about his history at two previous MSPs, how he runs them differently. Uh, so if you're in the MSP industry, you're thinking about getting into it, that was uh, a lot of valuable information. Uh, Dustin is also as you know, one of his two feet in cyber insurance. Is that is that an accurate statement? Uh, that's a, a understatement. I think it's it's been a couple of years of I was crazy enough. I actually went out and got my license. So um, yeah, I'm I'm full on insurance guy at this point. Full on insurance guy. And so today we're talking about cyber insurance specifically. Do cyber insurance requirements do more harm than good? What are your thoughts on that question? Oh, I'm going to give you the uh, the awful answer of yes and no. But okay. let me explain. There, there's, I think, a good take on both sides of it. Um, so the first one that's kind of the easier is uh, I think it does more good than harm in the sense of look at the, not just, you know, on the MSP side, not the typical good SMB, but the typical bad MSP and bad SMB that are in the news, right? Like the bar, where I'm going with that, the bar is very low. Yeah. Like everybody watching is going to be realistically, probably the top 20, 30% of the industry, just by virtue of they're sitting here educating themselves um, versus think of your competition down the street, right? It's the guy who's been doing it for 20 years that never goes to events. He doesn't go online and read. He's just kind of sticking with what he knows. He's not staying up with the times. So that's where the problem has been on a lot of this, right? Oh, I've never done multi-factor before. We don't need to start pushing it now. So that's where insurance has done a lot of good because it does pull that bar up for the 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 worst of the worst MSPs, the worst of the worst SMBs, right? It's forcing that baseline. Um, so from there, yeah, do, doing a lot of doing a lot of good. We're even seeing sometimes like on mid-market companies, you have like 300 employees in no MFA. Like guys, what the hell? That's 2024. That's insane. <laughs> um, so they need some help too. But I, I, it, around SMB, which is where I focus almost all my energy, uh, is it's raised that baseline um, substantially, but the baseline was like swimming in the sewer, right? So I, I wish it would be better. It wasn't that helped. Um, so there's my answer where it did more good. Um, the flip side of that though, is whenever the folks you and I work with typically like that top 20% of mature MSB security first and all that. Um, I think to a degree it does do some harm because there is the whole concept, which some people love it. I'm, I'm curious if you're going to cringe whenever I say trusted advisor. <laughs> not yet um so every msp wants to be the trusted advisor on it yeah uh, that's a hard thing to do so let's say 50 percent of your clients um you know you are 50 percent. you're not maybe you're close that sort of thing yeah uh, i'm just using hypothetical numbers insurance guy comes in and goes all right connor we need to talk on you told me you got this new customer that's requiring you to have cyber insurance let me walk you through this blah 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 a lot of the times that agent doesn't understand cyber. They don't know what they're talking about. Um, or even if they do, just that bar is so low compared to what you're doing. The problem there is the real risk advisor, right? The one who understands cybersecurity and all that, that should be in the room is the MSP. 
right. and they're not. So that's creating a ton of friction. Um, I went to a cyber insurance conference. Again, that's like how bad it's gotten for me. I was at an insurance <laughs> conference in a suit uh, yeah. two weeks ago. Uh, they declared 2024 is the year of MDR, managed detection and response. Uh, at Bear Guidance, my MSP, we've been using Huntress since early 2019. Like yeah. it's, you know, a, a lot of MSPs, MDR has been around. You got uh, Blackpoint, Huntress, ConnectWise, SOC. There's a ton of it. Um, MSPs have known about this for a while. So that's where I think uh, insurance does end up doing harm is just they are perpetually 12 to 24 months behind of what I say actual cybersecurity looks like, right? Um, and that's just setting the perception with these companies that like, oh, this is okay. Like, no, that's still, it's such a low bar. Like, good job, you've met the insurance requirements. Like, you're you're 20% of where you should be. So it, it creates this unrealistic expectation of, uh, one of the biggest carriers in the world, I'm not going to say the name, but if I said it, you would recognize it. Probably half the people listening to this have got a quote from them or had a policy. They said their uh, MFA is going to be their only hard requirement for 2024. So hmm. you can go in there, you can do no security awareness training. Um, no yeah, backups. Bad patching. Yeah, no backups. They're going to say, great, Connor, here's your, you know, here's your policy. Congratulations. Um, so that's where I think it does more harm in the sense that those companies that can and should be doing better um, are just like, oh, insurance doesn't require it, so you know we're fine. No, dude, we don't need we don't need Fin running. It's okay. Our insurance said security awareness training isn't you know as important. So they yeah. need to change those requirements to have those things in there. Um, you know, thirty days or less patching. They ask about it, they just don't enforce it. That's the problem, right? Thirty days or less patching, great backups, security awareness training. I'm personally a big fan of EDR with 24 by 7. I've seen that stop so many attacks in their uh, tracks at 2 a.m. Uh, that's a really, really good one. But uh, it's just not its not a hard requirement right now. So uh, that's directly influencing these SMBs to tell their MSP, no, I don't want to buy this, right? Uh, nope, I already had to add MFA because of insurance. They didn't tell me that I need security awareness training. Yeah, it's just, it's 2024. We got, we got to be better yeah. than that. Do you think uh, businesses can't really exist today without cyber insurance? Are we at that point in 24? Uh, can I give you another non-answer and say it's a chicken and egg thing because if sure. they get breached and then don't have a policy? Uh, no. So real real answer is, honestly, I think... Um, so Jason's legal had a really good take he posted recently about uh, are we overselling security to a lot of SMBs, right? So I think his example is like, you know, a five-person sandwich shop kind of thing. Do they need the latest advanced AI, this, that, or the other? Or, you know, can we get away with like a basic, um, you know, uh, MDR, security awareness training, just kind of hitting those fundamentals? Um, and so using that same example is like, I think there are certain situations where they can get away with uh, not having cyber insurance, um, you know, a retail shop. So let's just use super simple example, sandwich shop. You know, if they go down, they can still take cash, right? They still got their all their assorted meats and cheeses and vegetables and all that stuff. Like you can still work. Um, law firm, my bread and butter, like, no, absolutely. It's a, that needs to be a hard requirement at this point. You can't go down for seven days on a law firm, not be able to access any of your technology. So I, I think it really depends on the size of the business and how technology dependent they are. Yeah. Um, the vast majority of businesses are probably going to fall in that bucket of they need it because the breaches are inevitable at this point. I mean, we're in the middle of the, you know, screen connect hell from that recent vulnerability. Yeah. I don't mean that as a shot at ConnectWise. Like, it happens, right? Everybody's had security vulnerabilities come out. That's just the nature of everything now. Uh, so you got to be ready for when that happens. 
Uh, and if your business, you know, if you can't afford to be without your computers for 24 or 48 hours, you need to have a cyber insurance policy to help you recover and uh, financially too. That's the other part. A lot of folks in the tech space don't realize like, oh, I'm, we're an elite MSSP. We can recover all these attacks. Well, cool. Are you going to pay them for business interruption, right? They were down for eight days, lost income. PR, God forbid you put your IT guy out there doing press releases and talking to clients kind of stuff. All that other, all that other damage from it, right? So I look at uh, the insurance as I call it a financial control that yeah. it compensates for all the costs and lost at revenue and all that kind of thing. Um, um, I haven't watched Jason's post, but knowing Jason, I, um, I've had many conversations with him and with Wes about the following subject, which is like, how do you know what level of security your client needs? It's like, well, how do they make money? Yeah. The, the amount of security they need to roughly guarantee that they can still make money. It's like, that's it. Right. It's like, that's where yep. you should start. And that's where you should aim to stop as well. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Wes went through the example of a, a widget maker and a widget factory, which, you know, I love that it's, you know, such a nondescript, right. but you, you get the points. Like you're picturing some warehouse somewhere where there's this giant technical monstrosity of a, of a beast of a machine. It's like, this is connected to the internet. It's connected to all of our computers here. Yeah. Uh, it ha- if this goes down, nobody needs to come into the office because we can't do anything. It's like, yep. all right, well, for a law firm, what would that be? It's like, yeah. They need access to their email, to all their document storage. They don't have access to all that technology. Can they do things by hand? It's like, sure, if their productivity wants to drop to 10% of what it normally is. Right. So. Yep. And even the widget makers, like take two different widget makers, right? So you're talking about this is internet connected, right? You're a, uh, a microchip manufacturer. Like all that stuff's tied into your systems, this, that, and the other. Uh, but then on the other hand is uh, I had uh, years ago, I had a client, they made those little buzzers at restaurants. Yeah. That stuff is all hand assembled, dude. They had literally just giant bins of parts and they long table. There's 50 people there that were just, you know, snapping it all together and that sort of thing. They could go down for two days. Um, as long as they had power in the building, they keep putting those things together. Um, and they were standalone at all the restaurants. So it's like in that case, you know, take those two extreme examples. Am I making microchips? Oh my gosh. Yes. I need to have absolute the best of the best of everything. If I got a bunch of people hand assembling stuff, you know, that kind of thing, or like a, uh, your widgets are furniture, right? You got a bunch of folks yeah. there that are like woodcrafting, you know, running table saws. Again, I got power. I'm probably okay for a day or two. Maybe I don't need as much coverage. So it's true. I, I see this tendency for folks to use uh, backups as like a silver bullet. What's your thought yeah. on that? Like a lot of people make the statement, I don't need, like, we don't need this level of security. Yeah. We, we have our backups. We're good. What's your thoughts on like that kind of mentality? Uh, I, I don't trust backups ever um <laughs> back, backups are uh it's yeah you know, murphy's law kind of thing there's gonna be something wrong with the backups um i don't care how good you are unless you're i had uh geez where was it somewhere recently i had somebody talking about like oh you're obviously testing your backups like every month i was just like i appreciate the sentiment there but i don't trust that you know unless you got like an actual full-time backups team on your internal company i was like i don't trust that anybody's legitimately doing that um, so no, I don't, there, there's just too many opportunities for human error, uh, on backups. So one of my favorite examples, uh, that I came up with this process, I say I came up with it. I might've stolen this from somebody, but the, with, the uh, backups, having the client test it, right. As an MSP, don't tell them, don't tell the MSP that it's a test, right? Because now we're testing response time. So we're a bunch of IT guys. If we know that this is a test, we're not going to prioritize it. Yeah. So can we do it quickly? Um, and then the other part is that there's so much weird stuff from the client. 
I sit there and I'm like, all right, Connor, we're backing up your network drives. We're backing up your accounting system, right? Cool. Good job. Uh, then a year later, you call me and you say, hey, Dustin, I need this stuff for storage from Dropbox. Uh, we didn't realize that, you know, you thought we were backing up Dropbox. So that's where I love on the client side is all the crazy expectations that we maybe didn't think of is have them put in those test restore tickets. That way they're asking for the things of real world that um, one uh, one thing that came up recently in conversation was like Salesforce backups. Most IT guys are not going to think of that, right? Like I need no. to restore a record or something. I, I know nothing about Salesforce. I don't know how it works or if there's built in stuff. I know there's third party services now after that question came up. But uh, so that that's where I say the backups aren't a silver bullet. There's just so many factors. It's not a backing up servers. Like, cool, that's easy, right? You install whatever agent you're using. It backs it up. Great. It's all the other, um, you know, this because of being in the uh, human uh, security, human awareness uh, training side of it is like there's too much, too many people factors involved in backups for it to ever be a bulletproof or even a high, you know, high likelihood, high security. Yeah. Uh, recovery method. One thing I always say is, uh, you know, there's this huge tendency to blame the human that made the mistake, right? So let's say yeah. a super pedantic example of they, they downloaded the, the attachment that ended up being malware. It's like, okay, are we going to blame, are we also going to blame the people that wrote the code for the MDR solution that didn't catch it or the people who were reviewing alerts who in your sock, which skipped over those, it's like some combination thereof. Are we going to also uh, blame the people who um, wrote the secure gateway code because it yeah. didn't catch the malicious attachment. It's like at the end of the day, it's like, you know, the whole like it's turtles all the way down philosophy. <laughs> yep. It's humans all the way down. It's like, yeah. why did, why did we stop at the big turtles? Let's right. <laughs> it's all humans. We're all a part of this. We're all making the mistake here. So is, is this the only podcast where uh, turtles or the only uh, IT security podcast where uh, turtles all the way down has been referenced? I wonder. Probably, I hope so. Uh, it's just a really funny philosophical argument, um, and I also make the same in regards to human behavior. Like, how do you know why people make the decisions they make? Well, it's, it's turtles all the way down. Is in there's certain weightings of neurons in your brain that you know some of those are influenced by the genetics that are a result of us being hominids ten thousand years ago, which are also now the result of your mother experienced certain stress while you were in the womb. It's just like. It's turtles all the way down. Yeah. So who, why should we stop at any one turtle? There's more. Let's go. Yeah. I always love uh, whenever I make that reference that, you know, you have 10 people in the group that you're talking to, nine of them just kind of look at you weird. And then the one person smiles. I'm like, all right, we just became best friends. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's turtles. What are you talking about? That's interesting. Um, how do we solve this problem? Um, a, a statement that I've heard you make and Wes make is like the, you must be this tall to ride. The, the insurance roller coaster. Uh, who the hell would want to step on that? I don't know. Yeah, but it's the worst ride go. ever. <laughs> yes, the, it's the worst ride ever. They make me pay them, and there's no, there's no j jumps or anything. Uh, well, uh, Mike Riggs and I always joke was just you know the industry was chaos the last couple of years, so it was just the up and down, up and down, and then finally we're just going up, 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 and then it's hot. Now it's just kind of flat this year and calm. Like yeah. all right, I thought there was going to be some big you know reward and but you know boom rates go down or something. No, it's just do that huge anticipatory climb and then now it's just flat boring but uh no fixing it um there's and to be clear it's like i don't i am a pessimist um on a lot of things most things i guess uh i don't have any confidence that this will happen soon but to me there's kind of two clear paths and again this is all in the context of uh smb right 
enterprise is a completely different thing. I don't even want to get into that. I'm not an enterprise expert. But around the SMB, uh, two pieces. Uh, the first one is, um, I don't remember where I got this, but if you Google it, it's one of the top five results of you know how many SMBs have an MSP. Uh, and there was an authoritative source that said like 88%. So that's the number that I've been using. Connor's looking it up. So tell me where I got that from. 88% is the number that I always remember and use. Uh, but there, there's a lot, right? It's called Smarter MSP. There we go. Thank you, Smarter MSP, if you're out there. Um, I cite you all the time. Of a uh, thousand and seven small business owners claimed that. So is that enough data points? Do we think to? Would you, do you feel confident in me citing eighty eight percent? It's making your point. I'm comfortable in that all for right, sure. Let's roll yeah. with it then. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, eighty eight percent of them, uh, SMBs have an MSP. Insurance needs to stop treating them like the enemy and work with them. Um, because that's who the agent and the MSP can't be adversarial, right? Yeah. Um, you're making things worse. You're making the MSP defensive at that point. You're making the agent defensive. Um, recognize that's the reality of it. These 10 person, uh, you know, companies can't go and hire an IT person. Um, and then the other side of it is like, it's the insurance is kind of starting to move into the MSP side, right? There's three giant carriers right now offering MDR services. Uh, you got to go all in or nothing can't realistically sit there and say, guess what, Connor, I'm your insurer. I'm going to protect you with MDR. Well, cool. What about is my MFA configured correctly? Right. Do I have good backups? Are my backups tested? Like there's so many other factors. You can't be one foot in. You got to be all in. You got to provide that. You know, we talked about full coverage earlier. Um, so that's the first part is there has to be cooperation on it uh, or at least a recognized, um, you know, kind of line in the sand part of it. And there's just not that right now. Everybody's scared of everybody. You know, it's it's a bit of a standoff. Uh, the other part is, we talked earlier that mandatory MFA, like that's it. That's not. Again, it's 2024. We we know there's better controls. So that goes back to uh, Wes and I's thing. You know, you got to be this tall to ride. Uh, there's a good baseline that helps you get a better policy. Um, and these insurance companies, like they know, they have the claims data to be able to see. Uh, you know, uh, my favorite example is on EDR. Uh, so they ask, do you have EDR? Sentinel One has a passive mode where it sits there and it screams, but it doesn't do anything about it. So that's one of my things that I always ask whenever I'm talking to the claims uh, teams at insurance. I'm like, when was the last time you guys had a claim on, you know, Sentinel One? It was installed on every endpoint like the application asked, but it was in passive mode. Oh, Dustin, just last week, like, let me tell you this story. I'm like, cool. Why don't you ask for that on the application? Or why don't you require it, right? So just just raising that bar a little bit more um, to stop a lot of these easy drive-by attacks. Uh, that would make a huge, huge impact. Uh, but that goes back around. Um, the customer for a lot of these carriers is actually the insurance broker, where it's like, well, we got to make their job easier. They can't talk about you know EDR in depth, which goes back to, I, I swear I didn't intentionally do this, but as I'm sitting here rambling, goes back to my first point, you know who knows a ton about that stuff is the MSP. MSPs. Yeah. yeah. So uh, just that cooperation, I think that would that would fix a lot of things. Awesome. For folks who wanted to connect with you or learn a little, learn a little bit more about cyber insurance, where would you suggest they do that? Uh, LinkedIn's the easiest way to get a hold of me uh, is uh, Dustin Bolander. There's one other one out there that I know of, and he's like a basketball player, so you will not mix this up. Uh, <laughs> you, can, you can find me on LinkedIn. Awesome. Uh, we'll have links to that in the show notes. Folks, highly recommend you reach out to Dustin and start arguing with him because he loves to argue. I'm sure he loves it too. He'll be ready. Awesome. Dustin, thanks for joining me. It was a blast having you on. It was wonderful chatting with you. Appreciate it, Connor. See you all in the next one. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. 
If you want to find out more about creating high-quality security awareness training campaigns that engage employees and change their habits, then check out FinSecurity at phinsec.io or click the link in our show notes. Thanks for fishing with me. See you next time.